0: Studies show that fishing nets make up 10% of the plastic pollution in the ocean, causing irreparable harm to marine life and the environment. Well, one company has found a creative way to tackle that issue, and they're just getting started. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor in chief of Sea Change magazine. On today's episode, we speak with David Stover, co-founder of Barrio, a company that makes skateboards and other products from discarded fishing nets. He shares the journey that brought the founders to fishing nets and skateboards, the impact of their recycling program in Chile, and the exciting new partnerships that will help Barrio keep plastics out of our oceans.
1: Other than college, I've never lived more than a mile from the ocean my whole life, so I'm 32 this summer, so for me... Uh, being in the ocean and being around the ocean has been a big part of my life. But definitely when I was in Australia and traveling around the South Pacific and Indonesia is kind of when I became aware of the issue of plastic pollution and how bad it was, um, Mm. especially. But Mm -hmm. even in Australia, after it rains, I mean, you'd find plastic all over the beaches. So um, at that point, Kevin, who I went to college with, was also traveling in Australia. And so we had kind of all met up down there and it was just one of those things where, you know, we were living together and spending a lot of time together. And so we would start talking about ideas and plastic pollution was one that we kept coming back to and eventually kind of got to points in our careers where we were looking for something different. And, you know, my, I was coming to the end of my two year assignment in Australia. Um, Mm -hmm. Ben had a friend in Chile who actually came to do a role in his office in, in Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, and who we got to know this guy, Christian Emhart, he was a surfer and, uh, he recruited Ben to go back with him to Chile because Ben was looking for a change of pace at that point as well. So Ben actually took a role to be an environmental consultant in Santiago um, uh-huh. with with our friend Christian. So that's how we got to Chile. Okay, I
0: was thinking uh, about that, yeah.
1: And right at that transition period when Ben was moving is when we were kind of getting really into this idea of, you know, okay, there's all this plastic in the ocean. Where is it coming from? How is it getting there? We were reading about uh captain charles moore who who is one of the discoverers of the great pacific garbage patch and marcus erickson who's kind of a leader in the ocean space and Mm -hmm. you know just learning about the plastic and the contaminants and you know the sources and why it's such a problem how much is out there which at that time there wasn't a great estimate and still the estimates today are kind of difficult to get your head around um but so we were like okay kind of getting a better understanding of what types of plastics there are and where it's coming from. We had a good friend, Tim Silverwood, or who's become a good friend, uh, who was running an organization called Take Three in, in Sydney. And take three mm-hmm. was an idea that like every time you go to the beach you should pick up a couple of pieces of plastic. And mm-hmm. so like in your kind of very naive like early days, we're like, all right, yeah, we'll just go to beach cleanups and we'll collect <laughs> all this plastic and we'll make stuff out of it like cool. Um, and that as was simple really, as
0: that. Yeah.
1: yeah, that was the, <laughs> that was the simple play. It was like, okay, there's all this waste in the ocean, but certainly it should be valuable because if you remove it, then you're cleaning up this place that we like to be. Right. Um, and then, so that it really, it really did start out as a recycling project. The idea was like, maybe we can find a way to pay people for this material and that mm-hmm. they'll clean the ocean more and, and we can make products out of it. Um, and pretty quickly as we had to write a business plan, um, cause when we got started actually, when Ben was in Chile, he heard about a program called startup Chile, which is like an incubator there through the government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were a part of startup Chile generation seven or eight, I believe. Um, and so when we applied, we had to, we had to submit a business plan that was for a for-profit business. So that wasn't a nonprofit, like a recycling right initiative. And, um, you know, Ben had some experience in his career working on nonprofit projects in Africa, um, where he one of the experiences he took away from that was just, okay, we can do something short term and make an impact, which is kind of what we were all thinking about in the beginning. But if we come up with a sustainable project that Mm -hmm. will have an environmental and social impact and will last longer than three months, we'll really actually do something as opposed to setting something up and walking away and maybe causing more harm because people are relying on you to, to create something and you do, and then you walk away from it and it falls over after three months. Um, and so that became a focus of ours. Like, okay, if we're going to do this and we're going to submit a business plan, this is going to be something that's going to be valid and, um, it's going to be able to have traction and we're going to be able to mm-hmm. have sales and we're going to be able to kind of sustain this, like, this collection program. You know, living in Australia at that time, there definitely was a resurgence of these plastic skateboard decks made from, um, you know, virgin materials, and so new plastics. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're fun boards that fit in with the lifestyle and surf. And so we said, hey, let's just propose to make a skateboard from plastic from the ocean. Like that, that would be pretty cool. And uh, so we started, like we did with all the ideas, talking to our network about it. And people were like, oh, that'd be so cool if you could actually provide like, the problem. And like, I totally get it. And like, yeah, it makes sense. And, and so that's what we wrote the business plan on, was setting up a collection for plastic that we would use to manufacture skateboard decks in Chile. That's kind of...
0: And that's how it all started. And um, so were you clear on it, that plastic that... would be the fishing nets at this point or was it just any plastic that like plastic bottles? Like what did you have an idea originally um, of which plastic that would?
1: Yeah. So in, in the beginning uh, we definitely knew we had to isolate plastic and and that's a very common misconception to date. I just watched a report on vice news last week, which I love Mm -hmm. vice news and I think it's a great media outlet, but yeah, they completely skipped over in a very long segment that you can effectively recycle and combine all this quote unquote ocean plastics which we don't even like that term anymore um melt it together and make viable products that we were able to debunk that misconception pretty early on um you know we were talking to some scientists we all had engineering degrees um kevin and our team worked professionally for boeing and was designing parts so you know he Definitely had professional experience and like, look, we need a consistent source of material here. We're not going to be like, you know, playing around with stuff with different melt temperatures and different, um, you know, rigidity. And it's just not going to work like you're not going to be able to recycle that. So, you know, we looked at polypropylene. We definitely looked at plastic bottles, but we knew HDP is a pretty weak um, Mm. material. It has a tendency to break down.
0: Right. Um,
1: And then you look at the collection program. That's what eventually we got back to. We're like, okay, we could partner with some nonprofits doing collection programs in communities and on beaches, which a lot of people do now, which is great. You're, you're supporting recycling, or we look at all the sources of plastic in the ocean and look at ones that aren't being addressed, why they're there and where they're coming from and, and do something with that material. And Mm -hmm. Ben was actually doing a fishing study for the wild caught fishing industry in Chile. And He was helping them look at their environmental impacts and as you can imagine a lot of that was based on Okay, bycatch what they're catching in the industry um, Fuel consumption a lot of it Mm -hmm. went into like how much fuel the boats are using how can they be more efficient? and then there was an interesting point that was brought up about the nets because they were talking about oh we use these nylon nets now, but we're talking about switching over to lighter nets because um, because the lighter nets use less fuel and the nylon's pretty heavy. So if we switch over, um, then, you know, our environmental impact will be reduced. And then we were brainstorming on the call and I, I think I, I just like blurted out, like, well, what do I do with the nets at the end of life? Like what happens to them? And so he went back and asked the fishermen and they're like, Oh, you know, it's really complicated. Like here in Chile, the landfills are privatized. So we, it's really expensive for us to take the nets to the landfill so most cases, they end up being left at the workshops or they're burnt on beaches when we're done with them. And there's a lot of times that they're just left in the harbors or at sea. Um, okay. And so we started doing research on what the nets are made out of. And sure enough, you know, you get probably polypropylene, HDP and nylon. Um, and then that's so from there we were like, OK, well, here's an issue that Greenpeace and a couple of other sources have cited that makes up about 10 percent of the plastic pollution in the ocean. Um it's very harm. I was, yep.
0: Sorry, go ahead. It's very – I was going to ask you where that stat came from. So that was – yeah, go ahead. I think
1: there's a – we have some – I think it's been echoed um, in a couple of reports. Greenpeace cited a report probably in 2010 or 12, okay. Um okay. and there's been a couple since. then. if you – even if you Google 10% of plastic pollution ocean fishing nets, it, it will come mm-hmm. up. You'll get a couple sources yeah. there um okay yeah and then and this is more recent like in hindsight like the ocean conservancy did a did a report i think last year identifying plastic pollutants in the ocean and, and fishing nets was if not the top one the top three most harmful materials of plastic pollution wow. in the ocean and just hmm. simply because they're designed to catch fish and when you leave them there um they are in a form where they last a really long time. This is durable materials. And it's also very harmful to uh, not only marine mammals, but reef systems and all sorts of ecosystems there. Um, Mm -hmm. And to be honest, like that was the idea. And we wrote kind of update our business plan. And, um, you know, the new focus was we have to set up a program, a recycling program for fishing nets in Chile. And so we started with a couple of fishing communities where we went and approached them and, you know, at first it was what are you doing with your material um just kind of re-anchoring what we had done before and you know can we just take your material at the end of life you don't have to pay us we're like we're not a landfill like we just want to come here and collect it and they're like sure yeah that sounds great like then we don't have to deal with it and we're like okay and then we kind of moonlighted this whole like second thing that we still have going on where we would drive to the fishing port and talk to the fishermen and set up these workshops where we would take their old nets and cut them apart and literally wash them by hand, like get tubs of water and let them hang to dry and then cut them up and bring them to a recycler, um, comboplast that we, that we found in, in Santiago that would work with us and go through these trial production runs of nets. Um,
0: and specifically for a skateboard at this, at this point, point you, we did were, you already have yeah, that? So the skate, so okay. plastic
1: was the first, Target, plastic from the ocean, yeah. and then the idea was to put it into a skateboard, and then fishing nets came after the skateboard idea, okay. Um, okay. and I skipped a few steps there. We were, we did spend, Ben and I spent about a month and a half in Boston the summer before we moved to Chula in 2013, uh, yeah. and we actually worked in a startup program at Northeastern University for alumni called Idea. Oh. Mm-hmm. And,
0: I heard of them, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, just had a great, Greg Dummel was there. He's, he actually runs the program. Yeah. Now he was an advisor for us, which was awesome. He was super helpful. And and we actually got a contact at, uh, University of Massachusetts, UMass's is uh, plastics engineering lab, which is, a full mm. it's a full kitted lab. I mean, they have recycling machinery and injection mold machinery and production, small, small scale wow. stuff there. Um, yeah. So we actually worked with, uh, a research and development team at UMass and we're showing up with like literally like trunk fulls of trunk uh, loads of fishing nets that we were finding northeast <laughs> and cutting them up with scissors or, or knives and feeding them into like a little recycling machine that like you couldn't just jam them in um, just to see if it worked and based on those like couple of months of testing in Boston we we moved to Chile basically with some knowledge from that and a process or what we mm-hmm. thought was a process. Um, a business plan and some contacts uh, and kind of just went from there I mean we met so many great people and we still have met so many great people along the way that um, we have been a small team and I know that it's all about finding the right people that can help you and you can rely on and I think that's still the most critical thing that we do and all businesses do I mean if you're finding suppliers or customers or sales reps like finding the people that get what you're trying to do and want to be a part of it um, has been really important for us
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I see that. Um, and in terms of, um, so the product, so so um, the, the skateboard is obviously the mainstay of your business, is it not? I mean, I see there's other products right now. Yep. Um, is, is the skateboard still the primary product though? Or are you actually trying to just expand the line in and, and any way you can? Where are you today in terms of what you're yeah,
1: offering? Yeah, so um, I would have agreed with you a year ago, but... Last year, ah. um, I would say our primary product right now is a clean, reliable, traceable source of recycled nylon from fishing nets. That's, that's kind of our... Oh. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, we, we always envisioned ourselves being like, I guess, a niche skateboard company that would take off and, you know, we would replace all the skateboards in the world when we naively started in 2013. And, you know, we have shown growth there and we, we released a cool project with Carver Skateboards who,
0: I was going to ask you about that. one of the
1: industry leaders right now. I mean, they're killing it. A lot of traction, a lot of, um, different type of riding. Like it's, It's kind of tied to the skate and the snowboard industry. And like we loved riding their boards and they approached us and that's been a collaboration. where We're making a deck for them in their line. Mm -hmm. Um, We Mm -hmm. obviously sell it as well, but.
0: So you're doing that still with them. We are
1: doing doing it. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's
1: an ongoing project that's been going quite well. And it really was, um, it kind of exemplifies where we're going with the business because, you know, forever we've run for the last four years, we've run everything from, Sourcing the connections with the fishermen, logistics and materials, cleaning it, recycling it, getting the source, designing a product, making the product, marketing it, selling it. It's like every step of the way, which has been a great experience. Um, But in order to, you know, stepping back on that about 12 months ago, like I mentioned, in order to kind of fulfill our mission, we kind of need to make a decision of like, okay, do we spend less time developing the recycling and just focus on selling these products and building our brand? Um, mm. or do we find a way to keep that going, uh, and focus on the recycling and, and just say, we're going to take all the material we can and grow this program as much as we can and find the right partners that want to use this material and support what we're doing. Um, mm. so, and a, and a, a, huge piece of that was, um, after we ran our first Kickstarter, so skateboard certainly got us started. We ran a Kickstarter raised, just over $60,000. Um, the first Kickstarter we did and launched the skateboards, we received a call from Patagonia and they were starting um, their venture fund, which is now called Tinge Adventures. And this is a mm-hmm. fund that the family has set up to look at related businesses, not not the exact products of what Patagonia is doing, but more kind of you know looking at regenerative agriculture and renewable energy and cleaner mm-hmm. and better ways to make products and implementing some of the funds that obviously the business has been generating through the family and through Patagonia's core products to invest and develop, um, some things that would really have a positive impact on the world basically. Um, hmm. you know, and I think the mission statement there is is they're looking for startups, looking, uh, to find solutions to, you know, kind of solve or to, to help with the environmental mm-hmm. crisis that, you know, in their eyes, has been coming and yeah. obviously we know is coming now uh, and so yeah. we were one of the first five companies to receive oh, a, wow. a seed investment from the Patagonia family and actually they're still through Patagonia works they're still our only outside investor uh, in Barreo. Uh but as a part of that relationship you know we have been working pretty closely with their team and looking at their supply chain and the nylon that they use in their products um, mm-hmm. and going through R&D and testing to see what we can what areas that we can implement our materials into their supply chain. Um, And that's been one of our biggest development projects in the last two years. That's kind of been going on.
0: Oh, isn't that? I didn't know that. I mean, I knew that I saw the video with Patagonia. I didn't realize to what extent you're okay. That's
1: pretty new. I mean, it's public that we're working with them on implementing our materials, but we haven't actually released a product into market using that material yet. That's kind of happening now where we're looking at these bigger projects that would, I mean, it's a pretty substantial magnitude, like, even if we took over the skateboard market, um, the projects that we have forecast for this year um, in our wildest dreams, we wouldn't be able to sell as many skateboards that use the material that we're projecting to forecast just in the next 12 months. Right. So, um, which is it's great for us, like talking about moving volumes of material to, to that have solutions in other industries. And, you know, our role ends up being, you know, we work with that company to help them make a more responsible product with an end-of-life solution, Mm -hmm. um, being Mm -hmm. with our material, um, and then we tell the story to their audience, basically, and get their audience more aware of the issue of plastic pollution in the ocean and show them how they can be a part Mm -hmm.
0: of it. Interesting. So that's, you think, moving forward, if, let's say, you said... uh, your five-year plan. Where do you see yourself even in two years, three years? For- no,
1: we're actually under contract on three really, uh, I mean, industry-leading companies in different areas. I can't tell you all of them. Patagonia being one of oh. Patagonia being
0: one. Of, okay, at least we got Patagonia one. Patagonia being, being <laughs> yeah. one
1: of them. Um, yeah. That we're going to be working on. I, I can tell you another one actually too. Um, we're going to be releasing a, um, a a Jenga game this summer, made from our material, so the actual like Jenga blocks. Oh.
0: Um, That's a great with, idea. With Jenga, with um, with, with the Robert company, Robert Redler awesome. and Paul
1: Evloff, they own the license to Jenga and license it to Hasbro, and <laughs> um, so that that project will be releasing this summer. That's kind of on the smaller scale as far as materials go, but it's going to be a great one just to get the product yeah. into people's hands. Um, so yeah, yeah, so so basically, and we have plans to develop more skateboards. I mean, we want to continue, um innovating and bringing new materials in that space as well. So I would say that mm-hmm. like if you looked at our website in three years, we would have an expanded amount of products there that we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. we would also have, you know obviously fully disclosed these other industries where their project partners, we probably won't sell all those products on our website. Like we won't be selling Patagonia's final product on our site, but there'd be a link to right. go buy products made from our material on their site if that makes sense.
0: Yes, that makes sense. And and because uh, I was going to ask you about scale, one thing that I noticed on your site also is that you. Um, I know you're you're still based primarily with the the um, recycling program in in Chile, but you wanted. I, I think it said somewhere that you wanted to expand to other communities in in in. Around the world, and you said something about, you know, I know that you're working out of California now. So, are you still focusing on that too, in terms of um, res- bringing other recycling programs across the world, or is that lesser of a focus? No, it's um... it's actually
1: really at the forefront this year. Um, okay, because uh, effectively, if you think about it, um, I mean, the, the hard balance for us, right? And we we've have this year, we've gotten in trouble already in the first six months where aligning that recycling program with the end of life solution is extremely critical for a small company because there's a lot of capital that is important to run that recycling program. And it's important mm-hmm. that there's an end of life purpose for that material at pretty much as soon as it's ready to go. Um, right. And so the balance there is, and, and I can use some real numbers, uh, you know, in our first year, we recycled 10 tons yeah. of material. That's 10,000 kilograms. And we used that all for our own skateboard development and production runs. Um, and that right. it's really, it, it's not that it was easy. It was just that like really easy to forecast, like, okay, we're collecting all this material, we're gonna recycle it all, and this is how much we have to make skateboards. Um, and from a, from a capital perspective, it's not a huge outlay, 10,000 kilograms through our recycling program is not a massive number. This year, you know, we're looking to collect 200 tons, which is 200,000 kilograms of material. Um, Wow. And so you're talking that That's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) And so (laughs) every kilogram goes through a process of cleaning where there's there's money involved and logistics and storage and then processing and then final delivery. And so it's making sure that those end-of-life solutions that we have, so with partners like Patagonia and with the Jenga project and the other things that will be launching... That that material has a home to go to. Like we don't want to be sitting on hundreds right. of thousands of kilograms of material because then it's just a drain on our cash flow and our business. Um, yeah. So so yes, the the short answer is we are still expanding in Chile. Um, you know, all of that volume, the two hundred thousand uh, kilograms, is projected to be taken from Chile this year. Um, okay. And okay. and no, by no means are we tapping out in Chile. Like there's, we still see. Um, probably about five to six times that amount of waste available in Chile every year coming from mm-hmm. the fishing industry. So we've done a survey of all the fishermen, how much material they use mm-hmm. and um, we've estimated that to be over a thousand tons of waste a year um, that's generated in the fishing industry there. So but also we've we've realized that to have an impact and as we grow, it'll be, you know, good to have other sources of the material, but also to be able to replicate that program. And so yeah, we're talking to contacts in Peru and Ecuador and Mexico and here in the U.S. that operate fisheries mm-hmm. in other areas in the Pacific about end-of-life solutions for nets.
0: I'm just curious if you have any sort of last-minute lessons learned. or.
1: It's funny because we're still small, and a lot of times, you know, a lot of feedback that we get from the outside is people, like, you know, congratulating us on the model we built. Like, internally, you know, it's, it is still a struggle for us. Like, every day is a battle, and... Yeah. Um, even the bigger picture stuff, like, we still have to push on. So I would just say, like, from an entrepreneur's perspective, you mm-hmm. know, looking at that life, it's important that, you know, especially for people that have been working, like, in the corporate world or, like, foreign employer, just getting your head around, like, that you're going to be doing everything when you start your own company. There's there's not <laughs> a whole lot of, um, depending on your resource situation, which I think I'm happy the way that we went at it as a, as yeah. we had to kind of find our way through finances and kind of scrap to where we are. And, you know, we're close to being in a much more comfortable position. Um, but yeah. just understand that, like, you got to kind of ride the lows and the highs and try not to get too excited about the exciting things that happen. And don't get too down on things when things go wrong, because things inevitably will always end up different. We'll it's wrong or <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, right,
0: right.
1: And so, yeah, it's just kind of hanging on to that you know, mission of where you want to be and what you want to do and not losing sight of that in the kind of curveballs that'll be thrown at you on a daily, weekly basis.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, good advice. And, and that passion obviously should be there because, yeah, I mean, that's, that's another
1: thing. Like, I think if we weren't doing what we were doing, it'd be so much harder to be dedicated to it. Like we all, I mean, we all care about the ocean. It's a big part of our lives we're, yeah. interested in the outdoor industry and how products are made and doing the right thing for the world so for us it's really easy to dedicate time and resources and energy to this mission and this company um yeah. I, I would say like if we had gone on and had like a really good idea for like i don't know setting up like the world's first like efax software online when fax machines were being sent off like i don't know i don't think i would have been that motivated to like put time and energy into it like <laughs> I think if you're gonna start your own company you should be really, really passionate about the industry and like enjoy doing it and, and really um, be motivated to work on it every day because it becomes your life. I mean inevitably
0: yeah
1: in order to be successful, like you're you're losing the separation between work and life there.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really, really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum.